I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT, former World Cup winner, top 14 winner, Champions Cup winner, winner of everything, Jerome Kano's back and to lose his Australian second row, Richie Arnold joins us as well. How you doing, Richie? Hey, good, thanks. Thanks for having me, lads. Thank you very much for coming on. And before either of you two chime in, we've got a couple of bits of business to discuss first. Okay. Richie, the fines will at Toulouse, does it include being late? um yeah it does it does so um yeah okay that's a good start and is it a sort of sliding scale depending on how late you are <laughs> uh, no if you're late you're late five minutes 20 minutes an hour you're late you're late oh okay that's all right then jerome yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> is that it richie <laughs> yeah 20 bucks i'm happy with that depends on your salary scale <laughs> it depends on how many jobs you've got as well you've got a few so we'll let you off we'll let you off for all the listeners we're a little bit later than we were going to be but jerome has been coaching i don't know the under 14s the under 12s the under sevens a busy day jerome sorry guys mate you're all right ugo muller's just getting his money's worth we understand (laughs) we understand it's fine and speaking of people with lots of jobs you were all in toulouse at the weekend johnny was there i saw you pitch side jerome was it weird having johnny interview you in such a formal setting no it was pretty cool actually it was uh real chilled wasn't the straightforward rugby questions but i honestly he was asking a serious question with the smile on his face and i wasn't too sure if he was taking the first or not so <laughs> answer it straight i got the best out of you that's just to put you at ease teased you i got richie was post-match as well so i got both of you at the game <laughs> But actually, seriously, it makes it way easier. Even doing that ridiculous job of microphone and chatting to people, it's way easier when it's people you half know. Like the day before was, I was up in Bordeaux and it was Heine Adams who's coaching up there. And like I played against him for five, six years when he was at Bordeaux. Gloucester was George Skivington, who I played against but didn't really know very well at all. And then Jerome, yourself and Toulouse, Roundtree, like Wig from Munster. Like I've played against all of his teams, missed out on a selection on a couple of his teams, but it was really cool to just catch up with them because these kind of people you never really get to touch base with um but to me up with genuinely good people for five ten minutes and chat shit before you have to ask stupid questions for the telly is actually quite a nice part of the day so no it was cool i was trying to stay warm in the change room and- mate it was freezing 
Jerome Kazabu, our manager, came and told me to hurry up and get out and pitch side to do my You know, on, I didn't feel the cold, mate. I was standing outside in the snow waiting. It wasn't cold at all. Don't worry. I didn't get the option of standing in the changing room. He normally waits in the car, Johnny, doesn't until his interview's <laughs> ready. Hundred <laughs> percent or next to a radiator. So his questions were all right then, Jerome. They were they weren't boring like No, they were good. I'll take Sign it. Mate. I mean exactly. I was on time, so I'll take it. It was good. It was easy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on the pitch, Richie, it was a hell of a battle, wasn't it? Was that exactly what you were expecting from Munster? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a tough, tough old match there. Um, there were some big hits put on from both teams. Um, they scored two tries. We scored one. I think the yellow card hurt, hurt them. Yeah, our fullback, he uh, he uh, kicked the ball well, took the penalties and that. So, now it was a tough old match. And what's the review thrown up, coach? Oh, no, it was pretty positive, I thought. Um, uh, there was only one... One bit that was a bit frustrating is that we couldn't capitalise on the awesome start that we had. I thought the boys got the upper hand at the beginning of the game, first 20, 30 minutes, um, but then uh, just missed opportunities. But also in Munster, a top side, I think the last four years we've played them, there's only been uh, 10 or so points or less than seven points within both teams. Even 2021 when we played over there during COVID, both teams put up 40 points. 40 or so points and uh, still within five or six points. So uh, our, our clashes have always been close, but it was just frustrating. We couldn't capitalise on their start. And Richard, you mentioned the hits. Such is the age we live in. One of you was doing the rounds in the early days of this week. So the sightings are all out, no sighting. So were you relieved or did it feel okay at the time? <laughs> oh, to be honest there, uh, I think, uh, yeah, one of the hits I was, um, yeah, I was a bit worried afterwards. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, but after the match, uh, yeah, he was um, a lot of our defense coach. He said, No, it was, it was all good. Um, so yeah, it's just funny because, well, not so funny, but being so tall, eh, like you think you're low, but you go, <laughs> mate. Oh, mate, you're not low. It's a long way down, and that's topical at the moment, eh, Johnny? Mate, it's everywhere. Um, from the rule changes in England to all of the head knocks that we're seeing, like, even weirdly, it's been like ball carriers. Aren't in, is the, a tackler? They're soaking, even like soak tackles. But you're seeing boys getting knocked out, defensively soaking, going off, concussed, and even they're getting yellow carded. So it's become so hot. It's changing games, and obviously the rule changes that I think are going to be rescinded in England um, been a massive talking point over the weekend. So huge repercussions for the domestic game for amateur rugby, and then the knock on for pro rugby as well. Is that going to follow suit? Are we going to go the same way? Pretty much redefine the way we play in that so much of it is about stopping offloads and wrapping up. And essentially, if every time you went into contact, you could offload, would rugby be the same? And you're right, the RFU may row back a bit on what they released last week, but their change was based on a trial in France, wasn't it? It was, but then I don't have, like a few mates playing amateur rugby and lower level rugby, but I've got no feedback on how that's impacted them. Whereas my only thoughts is if you're going to bring that in in the amateur game in England, and you're talking about people that have been out with COVID or coming back into the game or like physically, are they going to be able to get lower? You, like veterans, are you going to t- tell veterans that are 30 plus, they've had a few beers and they've got a bit of a stomach, like are you boys going to be getting down and not hitting people with your tits anymore, but getting down and chopping people's knees? Like, I don't know. It's like the repercussions for what you're asking people to do in an amateur sector is almost even harder in some respects. And yeah, in terms of feedback in the French market, I don't know if you boys have had any mates that have played or play in the leagues that have implemented the rules here, but I haven't heard any feedback from anyone that I know. No, I haven't. I've, uh, I know they're pretty strict on it. They're lower grades, like my son plays, and 
anything above the hips or around uh, around the chest is penalised. But uh, that makes sense at those lower age grades to to teach uh, teach the right technique. But in terms of the the higher grades and the higher level, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. And that's it. Like at a young age, like I, I I even remember being taught, you know, cheek to cheek, like get your cheek to ass cheek, bands of steel. That's how you do. Like with your arms, you bands of steel. But I just don't know about the repercussions for the senior game. Like if you could imagine, like an ABs against Australia, with that being a rule, like what do you think the spectacle would? I don't know, Richie. Like as when for you be two meters tall, what would the spectacle be like? And realistically, would it be possible for you to tackle in that type of way? Oh look, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I've obviously being so tall, like a lot of the second rowers are. But I just think, yeah, obviously I'm not sure who's coming up with the rules, but these new rules. But obviously they haven't copped a bloody a hip to the like hip to the face when you're trying to chop low. But I just don't say it. I just don't think it's a good thing for the game. I mean, like you said, like always going low. You're gonna promote the offload. I reckon there'll be more bloody concussions maybe if you're going low. You get your head in the wrong spot. Ball carrier just boom. Mate, it's weird. It's anecdotal, but everybody grows up or like physically we're all different. So even anecdotally from my experience, so like playing for Scotland and we had Matt Taylor came in who off, went to work with the Wallabies after Scotland, but his whole thing was low chop tackles had to be 50% or more. It's what we're looking for from our tackle base has to be low chop. The contest is what we want to do. But I was somebody that predominantly was suited to upright tackling, like stronger upper body. That's the way I like to tackle. That's the way technically I felt more comfortable. But because I wanted to get picked, I knew that I wasn't picked. If I didn't tackle in that way, I started trying to tackle low. And that's when I started getting concussed because I wasn't physically as comfortable. And like you say, I'd, I'd be down, my, my eyes wouldn't be in the right position or I wouldn't be looking properly. And that's when you start copping knees to temples, when you start hitting hips. The second one I got was like around the back when I normally would have stood up and wrapped. I went around the back of somebody and my head hit their head. You know, so there's all these things that come in when you're asked to do something you're not comfortable with. So I don't know, like it's obviously a huge talking point in our game, but like I think the way it was announced and the way it was implemented was kind of shitty. And I think it's going to like with already 70,000 people signing a petition, it looks like it might be pushed back a little bit, but I think there's going to be different and more intelligent ways, possibly from world rugby of trying to protect the people that play our game, educate them on what level we're going to start at and what the game's going to look like in five, 10 years' time because that's going to be massive for participation, amateur levels, pro levels, interest in the game, commercialising it, the whole thing. So I guess wait and see. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting when you say it's it's a rule to be made to protect uh, the players and, and people playing the game, but what's going to happen when all of a sudden you get stats of people getting knocked out trying to tackle low? So I'd be a case in point in that I only started getting concussions when I went low, but like all the World Rugby data, everything that's been compiled so far, all of the big concussions are when people are upright. So all like the, the, the vast majority of concussions, the percentages are all from when people tackle like this. So it's all head and head collisions or shoulder to head. As soon as you bend at the hip, the mass rate of concussion, concussions drops off a cliff. Mm. But then that's it. It'll be the next study is, well, when everyone's dropped at this height, what does it look like? But that's certainly what they've tried to do is discourage on a world or a global level is red cards. If there's you know no mitigation, you're accelerating, you're hitting high and you're hitting somebody's head, which is dangerous. And that's why they've tried to do it is try to reduce the amount of concussions that are created like this with upright body contact points and try and drop everyone a level because the percentages do drop drastically um, when we drop height. So that's the theory. We'll have to wait for implementation and see how we go. Yeah, I just think it'll bring the offload back into the game and 
I reckon it'll sway everything into benefiting the attack. And uh, I think defences are just going to have to come up with new ways to get the ball back or new ways to, to be more dominant. Because uh, if you have your whole team going low, uh, I guess the only way to, to get the ball back is to increase the, the contact, increase the impact in, in that tackle. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. It wasn't coming in at the top level, but interesting in, in England, they were bringing it in at the third tier, so anything below the championship. And Federal is obviously massive in France. And from a coaching perspective, Jerome, you work a lot with the Espoirs. You can see the Espoirs who have been training with you today, Richie, I think, and smashing you. They're playing under one set of rules at the top level, and then you send them out on loan to get a bit of experience. They have to play a whole different sport. Yeah. I guess if you're covering different categories at different levels, you're going to have to try and broaden your knowledge in terms of uh, what players are going to be exposed to different uh, different levels and make sure that you're coaching them and uh, to, to be able to cater for that. It's tough. It is. A big subject, but we've done it in a couple of minutes there. So there you go. There's the there's a French perspective on it. <laughs> Tried. Um, and speaking of coaching, Richie, you obviously played with Jerome. So how is it having him as a coach? Is he more serious nowadays or is he the same? <laughs> oh, no, no, it's good having Loms as a coach. Obviously, he's uh, been around a lot, played a lot of big matches, has um, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge of the game. So, no, it's awesome having him there. And uh, when he speaks, a lot of the boys just listen because, you know, um, he's the man. So, no, um, no, it's good. It's just funny sometimes, you know, like we'll have training and then it's a, it's a ruck drill and then some of the boys come out there, it's cold and it's Loms is there and I was <laughs> chest in, do we have to, you know, on the dewy ground. And some of the boys are like, oh, come on, Lomi, mate, help us out. <laughs> it's just tough because there's no way around it to uh... – because yeah, I still remember what it was like as a player and you come out and you know you've got to <laughs> on the ground and and get all like sometimes the boys have a session at nine in the morning and you're like there's no way around it there's no way to sugarcoat a rock drill so um yeah it's tough when you as players are complaining about it does Jerome ever say do you know I've coached the under 14s the under 12s the under <laughs> does he bring that out or not oh, <laughs> before, no. all before 9 a.m yeah <laughs> No, Lomi, Lomi's pretty good. We don't, yeah, we don't really complain. We just get on with it and have a little cheeky joke to him afterwards. Um, so. And speaking of hard work, Richie, you know a thing or two about that as well. Am I right in thinking you're a bit of a late starter in rugby and you started off in a sugar mill? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, uh, I think I was 23 when I got my first contract. And before then, I was just the norm, normal uh, grind working, uh, working at a sugar mill sort of. Uh, scaffolding there on the maintenance crew, driving the crane, rigging loads up. So, um, yeah, very fortunate to be playing professional rugby. Um, so, yeah, I know what awaits me, so I know I'm very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> back to the mill, back to the mill. It's funny too, like uh, after a big session or when your body's quite tight, I'll speak to my brothers, like uh, my two older brothers uh, back in Australia. I'm like, fuck, I'm like, mate, I'm tired. And they're like, don't, don't you stop. Don't <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Yeah. And that's it. Having been there, having worked in the mill, still having family there, now being part of the most successful European rugby club there's ever been, completely different worlds. But does that give you perspective and almost enjoy it a little bit more, being able to check in with family and being like, holy shit, this is actually a huge opportunity and great fun? Yeah, absolutely. And um, coming from a small town, yeah, everyone sort of follows follows the rugby. If you know, if someone makes from the from um from our town and yeah it's quite cool i go back home go to the go to the uh pubs on the, 
when I'm home for uh, after the season and seeing all my mates. And yeah, it's just humbling. It's good. It um, yeah, it really puts things in perspective and realize yeah how fortunate we are to play professional rugby. And um, yeah. So when you see some of the kids coming through the academy now, that I'm sure Jerome works with some of them, and they're, you know, they've maybe never had a job in their life, and they're already on a decent whack at Toulouse. Do you ever say, "I'll send you to the mill, and you'll see what it's like"? Oh, I think those guys re- need to realize like how fortunate they are, like coming from a, coming straight from school, straight into a program. You know, it's like yeah, you're living in a reality world. Given how successful you are now, and obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, Rory started relatively late as well like you you, you weren't picked up as kind of 14 no, 15 year old superstars no yeah so he would have started about a year a year and a half before me um i was actually i actually had blew my shoulder out playing club rugby like low level rugby and i was um working at the mill and um i was waiting for shoulder reconstruction so i wasn't playing any rugby and rory uh he played really well in club rugby over in australia in the lower like in country rugby and then went up and went up to queensland and played um I think Bon Bon Uni uh, back then was the Breakers played uh, Premier Grade up there and um, and then went over funny enough went over to South Africa to the Greekers and that's when he got his first sort of crack and then from there I think yeah he went to the Brumbies and um, he, so he made it first and then funny enough being the same size identical twin other teams oh he's got a brother sweet we'll uh, I'll jump on the back of his coattails and get a contract that's a nice way to do it <laughs> yeah. it's insane though being identical twins but also the stature like your poor mum. The pair of you, two meters tall. You must have loads of cases of mistaken identity, weird instance. You must have used it to your advantage, like not well, to pull fun. the wool over Jerome's eyes. But there must be heaps that have gone on. Well, it's funny enough, like yeah, when we're younger, but now, like when we're older, like we sit there ne- next to each other, like our personalities are a lot different, and you can tell straight away who, like, who's who. But when we're younger, yeah, my old man used to tell me a lot of stories of preschool teachers having to paint our nails, to tell who's who um yeah so and it's mad isn't it johnny because like you look at how successful you both are now to think that it takes you that long to kind of get recognized like in the uk you'd think oh you'd be snapped up straight away you're obviously playing rugby but it just shows there are a number of different pathways to the top well i think as well like you boys were into different sports as well when you were young right you played league and you were across different things yeah a lot lot of league when we were younger that's the first thing we played was league and then in the town we're from it's mainly league they didn't have a rugby team he played a bit of league as a junior then we had like a few years off like in the the i think like yeah 16 17 18 19 20 like a fair few years off and then one day we're down the pub one of the locals there like oh come down and have a run at the the, uh, rugby team and rory had a few beers yeah i'll come down i'll come down to training and i was like oh mate don't worry he's he's drunk he's talking (laughs) he's not coming down and then funny enough uh, it started from there we went down there and i'm when I talk, it's it's a low level rugby too. I mean, it's like the boys are smoking darts at after the match. Everyone, you know, it's just it's it's country rugby. So that's where it all started for us. So. Mate, there's still boys at Toulouse smoking darts after the game. Come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. Like you mentioned that background in league, and then the ascension. Obviously, the physical size that you both have, and then quickly adapted really quickly to pro rugby. The the only thing that still bugged me out was i didn't like researching this was that your brothers cat like i feel like i've watched both of you play for quite a few years and i couldn't get my head around that you weren't capped like that totally pickled my brain i've got no idea why but your brother with 30 odd caps so how did he go off and end up in wallaby camp and then you ended up in japan straight off and just not being part of the australian selection at all 
when I was yeah, when I was in Australia, I had a lot of injuries at the Western Force and you know, I started a few matches off the bench, in and out of the team. And then when we went to the Brumbies, um, Brumbies was a good program. I played there off the bench a little bit, had a few starts. But yeah, I was always sort of, you know, not quite there yet. And yeah, Rory was Rory already established himself. And um, yeah, I, I just decided um, I already had um, Mason, my eldest, by then. So after that, I got, got a opportunity to go to Japan. And I was like, look, I'm a late bloomer. Like, I'm just going to try to, um, you know, set, set the family up. I went to, went to Japan and yeah, the rest is history and haven't went back to Australia and loving it, loving it in uh, France. And yeah. Jeremy, you've obviously worked with them both. You play, you've worked with Richie and Rory. So clearly Richie says that they're different personalities, different characters, different on the field as well. But you must be surprised that Richie hasn't been capped. Oh yeah. I've said it before in a few interviews that I'm, uh, you work quite closely with them and you actually play with them there's there's nothing that tells them apart on the field like they both have the same qualities both leaders in the line out bloody abrasive in, in the contact so both of them are world class and international level and uh yeah when Richie got scooped up in one of the camps I was quite surprised that Richie wasn't there as well but um never say never you might get scooped soon old Eddie has old Eddie been on the phone? He's on the phone to a few people. You had a phone call? No, mate. No, 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 no. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy, mate. That boat's that boat's had a long time for me. I'm happy here. How cool was it moving from Japan over to Toulouse with an identical brother and arriving sort of at the same point, but being at the club together and getting to play with your identical twin on the other side of the world in the top 14? Mate, it was actually funny because I was up in Japan. And uh, the contract, the season's quite short. So then I think uh, we had like a, you know, I could go away and play somewhere else, like a clause in the off season. And I was close to going to one of the New Zealand franchises for a little stint. Anyway, this the uh, Toulouse contract came up and I didn't really know much about French rugby back then. And, and then I remember telling Rory and Rory was like, oh, I'm speaking to a French team at the moment too. <laughs> Funny enough, it was Toulouse. So um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, um, yeah, playing the Rory was awesome, uh, having him over here. I remember saying it, uh, speaking to him about it. I don't think now I cherish it more, um, remembering the the two years he was here, um, how special it was getting to sh- share some b- big matches and just having family on the other side of the world, um, seeing him every day. Mind you, we're always always blowing, always blowing um, on the field, always bitching at each other, but um, <laughs> close, so. And initially, you moved over, didn't you? And then Rory moved over after the 2019 World Cup and you then left, didn't you? So that was a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. so I came over. I was lucky. I came over December 2018 and then I came over for a short. I think one of the locks were injured. I came over from Melka Joker, ended up staying. And just that year, we, I think we won the Air, and I just came in at a perfect time timing. Um, and then, yeah, had an awesome awesome time here and then i went back to japan to finish my contract on my last like last season and it was funny because i didn't really play up there too much the year before i was my mom was already mad i'm like nah if i can get back to france i'm i'm going so yeah opportunity um arose to go back there and i was like yeah where do i sign you were like ships in the night rory came in and sort of stole your shirt for a little bit and then you got it back (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what's it like playing with your brother because you didn't play with him too much growing up am I right yeah I played uh played a little bit at the Brummies with him that was quite special uh not, not a lot but um yeah Toulouse was special mate I think the year yeah done the double 
and then last last year was was cool. Um, it, it went so quick. Yeah, and looking back on it now, like you, how many people get to say they got to play, you know, with their twin brother, you know, European Cup final, top fourteen final, or any any rugby professional, you know what I mean? So very special. Um, yeah, I cherish every all those moments. And I want to touch on one thing you said a minute ago when you said that on the field you would nip and get narky with your brother. I want Jerome, you backed that up on the field where they go at each other. Was there a competitive nature between them? But what were they like in and around the club as a set? Like the only set, obviously, of identical twins that we have in the comp, but the different personalities, what are the key differences? And were they narky with each other on the field? Oh, yeah, they were pretty uh, competitive. But uh, yeah, their personalities are really different. I think uh, Richie's more chilled, he's more calm one. Uh, Rory's real. He's a, a little bit more focused, serious. But uh, yeah, on the on the field at training, the both uh, if not with each other, with with the rest of the other guys, and uh, things did get a bit. Uh, especially having Reinhardt Dowsted there, who who goes from zero to hundred, he doesn't have a fifty percent. And uh, whenever one of the Arnolds or uh, uh, Reinhardt will make contact with each other, there would always be some uh, scuffles. It's pretty entertaining. Aussies classing with the Afrikaners. You'd have never <laughs> called that. I just found it funny a lot of the time, like, yeah, training with Raw, like, uh, oh, he's, he blows up everyone. He blows everyone up. And, yeah, just sometimes I'd be like, mate, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> some some kids, you know, some, some of these kids, they don't respond to, like, you give them a spray, you know, like. And then I'd tell him, you know, right, right, I shut up. And then me and him are going at it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We spoke about Australia just then. You said you've never really had any sort of inquiry, any phone calls as to your sort of availability. But that puts you in quite a good position then to comment more generally on the state of rugby in Australia at the moment and the so-called Gitto law that has been in place for a while. It's had some changes and it's obviously up for discussion again. They can pick three overseas-based players. Your brother's benefited. They've had Will Skelton in. There's all sorts of different players who who have played whilst they've been in France. What do you make of that law generally? And do you think 
it should be changed? Oh, look, I get it. Like, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep the the best players, you know, in the country. I, I understand that. I mean, I think it's South Africa. South Africa, they can get picked from anywhere. There's no Guido law. Um, look, it's it's interesting. I think um, I think results speak words. I mean, like if you want to have your best 15 or your best 23 in, in the in, for for the World Cup, or like I I, I just think um, yeah, I think it's something they need to address. Well, we've got to ask you about Eddie Jones because you must have grown up watching the Wallabies with him as head coach. So, what do you make of him going back and taking the reins? I reckon it's going to be a good thing. Funny enough, um, maybe the timing being so close, maybe a bit unfair for day uh, for Rennie there. But I think it's going to give the Wallabies a hard edge, and I think they, I think uh, that's what they've missed. Yeah, can't wait to see. Can't wait to see it. King of the Mind Games. What do you make it? Like you said, there the Mind Games already started, but like, what do you make? of his approach in general when you see him in the media and stuff that he's pushing out there like do you enjoy it i reckon he's an interesting character I reckon, yeah I'm, yeah i like what he's about keep everyone on their toes um i've heard some stories some funny stories that i don't repeat but um yeah yeah i i, I like i like what he's about I, um yeah i think he's gonna do well for the wallabies go on tell us the stories <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome, we all know the coaching merry-go-round. We spoke about Eddie before Christmas about where he might kind of rock up. There was rumours of France, that kind of thing. I'm guessing you were somewhat surprised to see him back at the Wallabies. Yeah, I was like Richie. I thought it was brutal, especially for Dave Rennie and World Cup. Yeah, I actually thought he was making progress with the Wallabies. They had some some real close losses against the All Blacks, South Africa, and and then also won some of them. But um, yeah, I thought they were heading in the right direction. And um, from the sounds of some of the players, that he created a real good uh, team culture there. Uh, he was a great coach with them. But um, yeah, I thought it was brutal. But having Eddie. And there, yeah, he's he's he knows what the Wallabies DNA is like. He's been there, he's done it, and um, yeah, it's going to add some edge to the preparations heading into the World Cup. And do you think that's the main difference? Is an edge like having played against his teams for a long time? Apart from edge, like what do you think they're gaining in trading up or trading rather? I think uh, Eddie Jones is he knows what how to do World Cups. He knows how to prepare a team to play in those uh, big tournaments. So um, and he's worked with some world class. Uh, players coaches and he was in, i think he was in charge when the wallabies went through their golden era as well so i think he knows how to prepare a team uh to head into something uh as big as the world cup i'm really interested as well because when he was part of that golden era he brought in quite a few boys from league like look at the wendell sailors Lottie takiris matty rogers he's another one i think and so i'm really interested to see if there's any business done if there's any sort of x factor or stardust that he tries to go and fetch from nrl That'll be interesting as well. See if MD comes over to Union in the next two, three months because that's it with not too much prep time. What rugby IQ are you swapping the two coaches? Maybe a fair bit for different ideas, but in terms of personnel, if you're not going to take Richie, like who else can you go and find? What other stardust can you go and find in the NRL? I think that'd be really cool to see too. And aside from Eddie and the Ghetto Law, I mentioned sort of before the general state of rugby in Australia at the moment, and you can obviously contrast it with France, Richie. We've heard news headlines before about how you know there's more people participate in boring dancing than they do in rugby union in australia i don't know how true that is what the picture is at the moment but it's not a great state of affairs and obviously they've got the world cup in 2027 after it's been held in france so it's clearly a big sort of four or five years for the country isn't it so how are things over there at the moment oh well i can tell you what what it was like when i was there that was a few years ago but i just think um australia's gonna have it hard they've got a lot of other codes, you know, NRL, AFL, 
soccer, a lot of other sports to compete with. But yeah, I just think um, you just got to get the club rug, the club rugby competitions, you know, strong like the the shoot shield and um, the 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 Queensland the the Premiership rugby up in Queensland. I think you just got to get the grassroots strong and um, and then other than that, just success from the national like a, a successful national team like getting results um, and then you know bring the bring the supporters back. You know, um, you know you see some of the matches. In the Super Rugby, and it's just you look at the stadiums, and they're just empty. You know, um, I'm not sure if it's you know bringing it to a smaller venue, like a you know, would you rather have you know a full stat like a massive stadium, but only you know you can you can see how many empty sta- seats, or would you take it to a club rugby field and stack it? You know, um, I'm not sure what the answer is, but yeah, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Wallabies, Wallabies can do well this year at the World Cup and. And um, yeah, get in the right direction. And if you contrast the sparsity, like of how far the Australian talent is spread across different sports with playing simply for a club like Toulouse, where it's part of the fabric of the south of France, rugby is absolutely massive. How enjoyable has that experience been for you coming over here and playing for a club like Toulouse? Oh, man, it's it's crazy. Speaking to like a few of the other, other boys that play for other teams, I think I was speaking to... Alex Newsom plays for Clermont and just like after the match we are sitting at the bus and we're just like you know just how many people I had there at the match like all the supporters signatures afterwards like it's just crazy at the moment the the support in France from for all the teams you know unbelievable how they do mum came to the match on the weekend and she was blown away by like all the food all the food they had there all the supporters you know and the horns getting involved after match facility and she was uh yeah she was blown away how how, how good um the french do things so was your mum after antoine dupont roman entomax autographs as well is she having selfies with them or is she not <laughs> a big a massive rugby fan no no she's a massive she's she's a hard out uh yeah rugby fan not sure she knows too many of the french boys um into the, the big dogs in our team but sometimes i watch the match with her and um i remember watching matches with her and she's so vocal and i was like like, please don't embarrass me. Can you turn it down a bit for the match, please? I think she said. I think she sat, uh, sat with uh, Jody Corey's uh, wife and a few of those girls. So I was like, oh, don't embarrass me. <laughs> Too late, mate. You've been in France nearly five years, and like we chatted to Manny about like her efforts to get a passport and the chance of representing France. There's a bit of a spanner in the works at the minute, but. Like you're only 32, you've nearly been here five years. You also qualify. Like stranger things have happened. Would you ever, if you were approached, give any thought to representing France, or would that be ridiculous? I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. We're asking you now, Fabian said. Come on. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's a far shot, to be honest. But yeah, who knows? I'm happy at Toulouse, um, mate. 32 now. Season's already long enough without Six Nations and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> and contract wise, you got a couple of years left, right? So Jerome doesn't need to speak to Ugo and get the extension. Yeah, <laughs> but a couple of years tagged on the end of that one as well. Yeah, I got a, got two more years, so that'll take me up to yeah thirty four. Getting getting there, so we'll see how these uh, these brutal uh, these brutal winners go and um, these long seasons on, on the body and. Um, yeah, I'll see with the family what the what the plan is after that. All I'm going to say is, if you only start at age 26, it's like you're <laughs> actually age 20. That's what I'd be selling. When you go in to negotiate with Jerome and Ugo, be like, boys, I've only been doing this six seasons. I'm like a 22-year-old. <laughs> That's what you got to sell. Absolutely. You mentioned the 
big dogs there, or I mentioned Antoine Dupont, Rowan Antoine, you called them the big dogs. We hear a lot about how, you know, a Johnny Sexton or an Owen Farrell, they're just the most intensive guys and they absolutely drive the environment that they're in. They might be different sort of personalities, but what are those two like? And I'm guessing they set the standards, but do they really kind of drive the environment? I think there's more boys than that. I think, yeah, obviously they're, you know, they're up there. And then you've got guys like Julian Marchand, uh, other boys, uh, Cyril, that have been there for a long time, uh, Fr- Francois Cross, uh, a lot of those boys. And then, yeah, um, there's a lot of leaders in that group that drive this, it, the standards. So um, it'll be interesting now um, over the next wee break with the Six Nations, how, how we go. And um, obviously losing a lot of players, but... It's a good challenge for us um, and a good opportunity for a lot of boys that haven't been getting many game time. So, And this may seem like a daft question, but Roman is basically like a male model and we've seen Antoine in his dressing gown on the front of GQ. A fan would sort of say, you know, they, they basically look perfect from the outside. So if you've got any dirt you can give us, have they got a hairy back or do they the smelly feet or anything or are they actually perfect? No, nah, no, nah, they're... Uh... No, they're good fellas. I no, I can't dish up any dirt. I'm sorry. Uh, I keep digging, Johnny. Every time I'm like, there must be something wrong with them. But there's no, not. I mean, yeah, no, they. Are, I tell you what, though, there's something like uh, any bit of game. Like uh, we'll have some games at training, and like there'll be rules. You go be like, oh, two touch go down, this and that. No, I tell you what, those French boys, mate, they're they're their own referees. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like, oh, qu'est-ce que <laughs> That's about it. They make their own rules up and. Jerome, we sort of spoke about the South African team's in- inclusion in the Heineken Champions Cup when you were on before. And we know that Antoine's been quite vocal about that, or he probably just gave one throwaway comment and it was picked up widely because he's Antoine Dupont. But it's obviously interesting to see your opponent in the round of 16. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I can't really comment on the South Africans' um, inclusion because I don't really, I haven't been a part of European rugby for that long. And Obviously, the guys that have been based here or from here know the history uh, of uh, and, pro- and are quite patriotic about it. But uh, for us, for Toulouse, it's quite interesting to to have uh, have the balls and then to be able to prepare for a different brand of rugby, a different type of rugby. Who what me and um, me and Richie used to be used uh, we used to play against a lot of those teams, but uh, having them uh, play here in Europe is going to be interesting to to look at a different type of. Uh, team different type of style and i'm sure in terms of the context nothing's going to change but uh personnel is going to be quite interesting and so what are you expecting because pre-game like richie we were chatting on the touchline and i was like oh who's who do you who do you want in the next round like, obviously this game's in your hands and you win by this point and this is who you and you're like there's one team i don't want to get it's the bulls <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the final whistle I come over and be like, oh, mate, like, so what are we expecting? So, like, now now you've got the Bulls. I've never played against them. It's never been a competition I've been part of. What do we expect? European rugby, you've got them in the next round. What do we expect from them? I'm not too worried, to be honest. I mean, I'm not sure if it was the A team that played Leon. Um, and uh, Leon gave him a gave him a hiding. But yeah, look, we got some big boys. I mean, the Bulls, they're they're pretty they maul, they're, they're physical, and they're, they're fit like a premiership team. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. I mean, we've got some big boys in our team. Um, I'm not really worried, to be honest. I reckon uh, at home, yeah, it's going to be a good match. 
I mean, I'm just lucky I'm on the touchline with a microphone because I like even being touchdown in that game of the weekend, like it's ridiculous. Some of the collisions, the defense, the way you boys blitz up and smash, um, and then you add some South Africans into the mix, it's only gonna go one way and get more intense. So it's nice for me to stand and watch the touchline, but I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah, me too. I'm just glad that my preparation ends behind a computer. <laughs> <laughs> just hand out the instructions. Here you go, Richie, you go and do it. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for coming on, Richie. Uh, good luck in that round of 16 tie. And if you get a call from an unknown number, could be Eddie. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I hang up on all those unknown numbers. Then uh, <laughs> <laughs> telemarketers or something. Cheers, Richie. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having us, guys. Cheers, bro. Thanks, mate. Cheers. We mentioned it there. But Jerome, like, Johnny's right. How he's not been capped by Australia. It is a surprise, isn't it? It's uh, it's incredible. Uh, the quality you see the qualities that Richie uh, Rory has on the international stage, and Richie poses them as well. So um, for me, it's quite surprising. Pretty much everything you want from a lock, like his lineup work is insane. He's a quality caller. Yeah. But then the thing that I find freaky about it, a, a guy that big, like I've played with people that big before, but it's the physicality he brings with it. Like you don't expect people at two meters plus to be, you know, busting through contacts, offloads, leading defensive lines, smashing, athletic, and doing repeated efforts. Like, he does it all. He's a total machine. So, like, his bros picked up, I think, 30-odd caps, but the fact that Richie's just obviously mm. career a different direction, but he's a man that clearly belongs on the highest level, and he's he has that stage with Toulouse, but he's another one. It'd be awesome to see him in international stage because he's some athlete, and he just gets through so much work. Um yeah, it's it's just crazy that he hasn't got one cap to his name. Completely straight battered our inquiries as well. He said he he's not answering his phone to Eddie and what the fuck would Fabian <laughs> be doing calling him? It's not happening. So there you go. Johnny, to tie up our Champions Cup chat from earlier, we should really find out what your meter moment of the week is. It's a really easy one, lads. And he's not here, but he was training today about 50 minutes from the house. My son was watching him train and I think managed to get a cheeky autograph if he managed to hunt him down. But Greg was... We're talking of freaks and two meters tall, but I'm not sure if you watched La Rochelle's game. Greg was absolutely ridiculous. 19 carries. I think he got through 50 meters. Um, he scored a try where he carried two Northampton boys over the try line with him. He made seven tackle breaks. He made three offloads. He made two turnovers. He essentially goes forward every time he touches the ball, every time he goes into a contact. I think he's now got seven tries for La Rochelle, which is joint top scorer with Raymond Rule in Champions Cup. Um, and he was just quality in every single thing he did. He's even started jumping in line out, which he didn't do before. And now he's like front option. He's got that. So like Fabian will be delighted. He's got him ready for six nations. He's primed. His form is ridiculous. But Greg was certainly man of the match of the weekend, but probably player of the weekend. He was ridiculously good. Oh yeah. He's a freak. He's, uh, or uh, we haven't even got to the world cup yet, but he's had a hell of a season. So I think uh, being on the podcast has elevated his form a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to claim any credit, but we'll do it. No, we're, we're making him more rounded. His English is getting more, he's a more rounded individual for spending time with us. Let's just leave it leave it at that. That's what's bringing him these performances, nothing else. We relaxed him last week as well, didn't we? He was a bit uptight. He loosened up. And do you see what happens? No, he's been a freak for the last three years. I he can do it all. He's a contest. He contests the ball and the tackle. He's a machine on defence. And uh, with ball in hand, he's a absolute menace. So um, he never drops his form. Whether he's playing top fourteen for the French team or even European Cup, it's incredible. Do you reckon he's in the top two eights 
I'm trying to think, I'm like Ardi Save. I love watching Ardi Save as well. I'm like, those two for me would be the top two yeah. probably globally. Would you agree? 100%. Yeah. Ardi and Greg Oddwit would be the, probably the best number eights going around. If not, uh, probably some of the best number eights that have played the game. And they haven't even touched the surface of what they're capable of. And everything going well, we get to watch them go head to head in the opener of the World Cup, which will be quality as well. What a matchup that'll be. No, I can't wait for All Blacks win. <laughs> <laughs> a deserved winner. That was our meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item all you have to do is enter the code FrenchPod10 at checkout. That's FrenchPod10, and you'll get 10% off any full price item at meter.com. Another discount codes. Now, we've had this before, but is Richie aware of your undies? Not your undies that you wear personally, but Mint Undies, your company. Does Richie pick them up as well? The boys wearing them at Toulouse? Yeah, Richie wears them. Uh, a lot of the big boys wear them. They enjoy it. I see them wearing it during training. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening, go to mintwear.co. Uh, and add in the promo code FRP Mintwear to get 20% off all undies. Thank you. We're going to ask everyone we have on from Toulouse. So far, Manny's given the seal of approval. We didn't ask Richie, but you've said he's given a seal of approval as well. There you go. Get your hands on some now. And Johnny, before we go, it's never a week in the top 14 without some rumours, so we should touch on some. I heard Cockers to Montpellier. I heard that too. Again, I think Philippe Saint-André is still looking for the sort of elevated management role and a director of rugby. And Cockers has had a bit of time in France in a dim distant pass. Um, he's a fairly hard, a hard head coach. Like he was hard at Edinburgh. He's been hard at Leicester. Um, I'm not sure how that would fit into the French mould. Although Vern Cotter was very similar. It worked for him at Clermont. So Cockers de Montpellier, um, that's a big one that's been around this week. Harry Williams, also potentially joining the ex to ed exodus to maybe follow suit and head to Montpellier as well. Um, there's a few ones we talked about, Semi Radrada for Bordeaux, potentially now looking at Lyon. So there's a few swirling around, nothing signed yet for those three, but I reckon it will be um, potentially done deals in the next couple of weeks. And Jerome, on the coaching side of things, Raphael Ibanez has signed a new deal to remain with France until 2028. Obviously, we hear loads about Fabian Gelty, but I don't know about in France, but certainly in the UK, Raphael Ibanez goes under the radar a little bit. But how important do you think he is to the whole France machine? Oh, he's huge. Uh, obviously, he's a ex-player and uh, gets along with a lot of the guys. So he'd know the DNA of uh, the Le Bleu and he'd probably be the main one driving everything uh, behind closed doors with the team. So um, I knew about Raphael Ibanez when uh, he was playing the famous one-hand line-out throw. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> I think he'd have a great report with the players. So having him around and having uh, a lot of the ex-players, legends, uh, driving stuff within the team would be huge and seems to be working for them at the moment. He's also a real close mate of Fabian. So they won Grand Slams together, Six Nations together. They go way back. I think as well, when you look at there's a couple of people moving on. So Thibaut Giroud is moving. Um, you've got Karim Ghezal, um, Labitte as well. Like All these guys are moving. It's important to have some sort of consistency. So you've got Semperé coming in, the forwards coach from Stade Francais. 
But with Fabian Wishon Edwards, it's important to think, you know, they've had some real success, keep some of the furniture together and bring in new elements, maybe add a little bit of some fresh ideas. But certainly, look, they all get on really well. They go back a long way, him and Fabian. And like you mentioned, he, he's a real sort of father role within the group and that it's managerial, it's not on field, um, but he's just a good egg and sort of the glue, shall we say, that keeps it all together. And he's done a great job so far. So great that he's going to be there. It's a big old contract too, 2028. So well done him. Absolutely. We'll chat more about him and France next week, I'm sure. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Jerome. Big thanks to Richie Arnold for joining us as well. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers, fellas. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.